Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 250th episode of The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. Insert sound of party streamers here. Did you do anything for the 250th uh, episode? Nah. But hey, I got a couple weeks until this episode comes out. Speaking of which, uh, this this episode is roughly seven years after we started. How about that for a big quinky dink? Um, Crazy. We've been doing this for seven years. And and yet, I don't even think we have 700 listeners. Probably not. We, we're, we, we definitely have seven listeners, though. There, oh, a listener for every year. We, yeah. we, could, we could probably name them, too. We might even have 70 listeners. <laughs> That's exciting. It's uh, all well, very exciting. Yeah, so uh, happy birthday, podcast. Happy birthday. <laughs> or, I mean, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, that's that's exciting. I, I wish I had more fanfare planned. So we took the time to do, we're going to do a special episode. This one's going to be all about X-Men Annual number 11. Right. Special for the occasion of the 250th issue and 7th anniversary. We chose this one special, Yeah, really. Yeah. (laughs) I said from day one, Adam, if we ever make it to year seven, I definitely want to make sure that we cover Uncanny X-Men number 11. On that episode. And I was like, let's try to time it so that that's our 250th episode. And here we are. And you were like, no, we couldn't do that. It's impossible. That's what I said. It just didn't seem reasonable, but you were right and I was wrong. Yep. I'd like to hear that more often. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one has a cover date of 1987, as annuals do, and it was on sale approximately July 28th of 1987. Cover price is $1.25, which is like cheaper than those X-Men versus Avengers comics. And uh, it's a 48-pager, and this one's titled Lost in the Funhouse, which is not a good title for this. Um, from a sold-on comic book rack, what was the corresponding uncanny X-Men that was on sale at the same time? Oh, it's... You should have prepared in advance, son. I don't know. <laughs> well, the only reason I ask is because, you know, story-wise, this definitely fits where we are reading. It's the only place that it uh, could logically fit based on the cast of characters and what happens next. But I recall buying this annual at the same time that Fall of the Mutants was ending. Uh, well, okay, so July 1987, so that means X-Men vs. Fantastic Four and X-Men vs. Avengers are over, which roughly puts us around where we are now. Um, what, what are we on? We just did 219? We just finished 219, yep. And the other interest, so, the other odd, interesting, odd, whatever you want to say, is that X-Men Annual 10, I thought, was right before X-Men number 210, so we're only like nine issues beyond that annual. Annuals come out when they want them to. Understood. Plus the fact that like maybe it it was a year later when the annual came out and the the annuals just kind of sync up differently. I mean, it seems like they sort of shove stories where they go into the continuity. You have your main continuity. You have everything surrounding it. It seems like an afterthought. You're like, eh, we'll shove this in here. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't care one way or the other. I mean, even as a kid buying this after Fall of the Mutants, uh, I was like, well, this doesn't follow the storyline at all, but it's an annual. So... Um, you mean I don't, Mutant Massacre? What, 
No, Fall of the Mutants. Because Fall, Fall of the Mutants definitely hasn't happened yet. Well, I, I know that. In 1987, I mean. Okay. At this, in, in, in July of 1987, Fall of the Mutants had not begun. Hmm. And it definitely hadn't ended. I wonder if I bought a second printing then. Maybe. Weird. Or I wonder if my comic shopkeep just found a batch of them and I'm like, hey, these never sold. And he put them out on the shelf and I bought one. Any of those things could have happened. Huh. So yeah, all this time I've been living with the idea that this annual was on sale after X-Men's Fall of the Mutants. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> in any event, um doesn't matter because it's a good story and it falls in place here. And if it came out after or before, it doesn't really matter. Um, good. No, and sometimes things happen like, remember that, that one where Professor Xavier gets knocked out and it, it says a couple months later and he's like giving a lecture and somebody throws a brick at him? Yes. Wasn't there an additional story that we read after that that took place in between however that issue ended and the Professor X scene? Yeah, and I think we figured out that it happened between two panels. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> They can, they can do whatever they want. Yes, yes, of course they can. Um, yeah, so anyways, all right, well, that aside. So this is a, a cover. It's got a dude who's got like a, a metal loincloth and some metal shoulder pads. I've never seen him before. He's got horns. Can you say a metal loincloth? That seems to defeat the purpose of the word loincloth. That's mm, true. A metal loin covering. Would it be like a, a loin... A loin armor? Loin, loin armor. armor. It's loin armor. And then he's got, like, he doesn't have boots on, but he's got, like, like boot collar things that are just floating around his ankles. Or his boots are form-fitting. Oh, and the same color. And the same color, and they go around his toes. They're like those socks that have toe holes. And they cast a shadow on his uh, ankles? That's not a shadow. That's the design of the, the boots. Okay. <laughs> uh, and this guy's holding up Wolverine by his head and holding Rogue by, or not Rogue, Storm by her neck. Wolverine's slashing around. And there's some statuesque lady on the floor underneath them. And all the X-Men, it looks like they're trapped behind some sort of green ice. Yep. It's an Alan Davis cover, so you know it's good. It's pretty sweet. I like it. It's written by Chris Claremont. Uh, Alan Davis is the penciler. Uh, Paul Neary is the inker. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Glennis Oliver is the colorist. Anna Senti is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. This is Lost in the Fun House starring the Uncanny X-Men and Captain Britain. Because, hey, Alan Davis likes drawing Captain Britain. He does. And I heard that that uh i mean I, this yeah I, I heard that chris claremont was a very easy writer to work with and he would a lot of times approach an artist and be like what do you want to do and they'd say i want to do this and he'd say okay and he'd start writing a story around whatever it was so i imagine alan davis was like can we write a story that has captain britain and he's like sure well how how close are we to excalibur uh that's a good point uh we're we're getting close. So maybe this is kind of a, hey, look at this guy. Maybe you're interested in him. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh look, look at that guy. Yeah. So, well, it's X-Men 219. So we're about nine, ten issues, maybe 11 issues off. About a year off from Excalibur. So I would imagine by now they know it's coming. Yeah, I would imagine so. Sure. Chris Claremont's probably writing, steering the X-Men in that direction. And Alan Davis is probably 
drawing the first issue as we as we comment. Oh, that's right. Alan Davis was the artist on that book, wasn't he? Yeah. Don't do the writing duties stay Chris Claremont's, or do they shift over to somebody else? Wow, you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> you're asking a guy who has never had an, read an issue of Excalibur. Oh, really? Okay. I yeah. Um, I did. Uh, re- I bought it um, because it had X-Men characters, uh, but it was always so expensive that it was kind of like at, if I had money left over and it was enough, I would buy an Excalibur issue. So I have like the prestige version, the initial Excalibur big version, and then I have like issues one, five, nine, 10, 13, <laughs> and then I stopped collecting. How expensive are we talking? Because like, uh, let's say X-Men right now are 75 cents. So is this like a dollar fifty? It was either a buck and a quarter or a buck fifty, but it was on nicer paper, and I think there might have been right, more right. pages. But yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I think I've said it before. I look forward to uh, touching on Excalibur when we get to that point because I remember they're always really quirky, as you would expect. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it now that I know something about Captain Britain. I'm kind of curious. So we enter this story with Wolverine. He's got half a six pack in his hands. He's singing a song. He's drunk, maybe. Yeah, he's drunkish. He's acting drunk. Do you know what song this is? I looked it up, and that did not help. It apparently is from a play. Um, that's uh, the song might be called "There's No Place on Earth." I could not find a recording of it because, as far as I could tell, it was written for a play based on uh, and only and only performed in that play. I guess it's an Irish ditty. Hmm. Yeah, I could see singing it with an Irish accent. There's no place on earth like the world. Hi to tie. There's nowhere I'd rather be. Hick. No place in the world like Earth like the world. So sit up and take it from me. The bells of hell go ding-a-ling-a-ling for you and not for me. And that's when Dazzler comes out and she's like, what are you doing, you drunkard? Wolverine! And then that's when Wolverine says, hiya, Dazzler! Yeah. She's got her lights in full effect and Wolverine's like, stop it, you're blinding me. And then all of the X-Men, Captain Britain and Megan come out. Because he's he, Wolverine's very loud and he woke everybody up. Longshot is either naked or he's wearing black Speedos. I think he's wearing black Speedos, but you could be right. I never even thought of that. Well, the only reason I say that is because we get two or three panels of Longshot and he's always hunched over really weirdly that could be causing this shadow to be cast i don't know when the x when storm was running around naked all the time the x-men were very embarrassed about it so i'm sure they're not happy if long shots running around <laughs> well he may, he's an alien maybe he doesn't have you know the parts that we would expect him to have oh my god is he like a like a ken doll <laughs> he's like a ken doll everyone's like eh, it's okay it's cool <laughs> you do you uh so everyone's yeah you woke us up and then wolverine Pops a claw and cuts off the top of a can of beer and chugs it. Snick it, slash, snack it. Chug a lug a lug. Drinks it, burps. He sticks out his belly. It's a really good panel here of him sticking out his belly. Um, <laughs> he just looks like a fat, drunk man. Mister, you are drunk. The blazes I am. Booze is a poison, boy, and my mutant metabolism neutralizes poisons the moment they're ingested. Just like it cures diseases and heals wounds. And when I want to get blind, stinking, plastered, I can't. And that, Havoc, is more explanation than I've ever given anyone. Which I think is I, true. I like this I like this panel of Wolverine kind of like wobbling over. Yeah. He's got like he's like drooling and he's just like in Havoc's face. Havoc's like, whoa. Is is like you definitely have got some beer breath there. Uh yeah. D- Dazzler says, Hey, if something's wrong, you can lean on my shoulder. 
none of your business, but I appreciate the thought, darling. And he goes off to bed and continues singing his song. And uh, everybody is concerned, but Storm says, it's a private matter. Let him be, my friends. Tomorrow he will be himself again. Again. So Megan, Captain Britain, and Psylocke go to the kitchen for some tea. Megan busies herself with the television because she realizes that Betsy and Captain Britain are going to talk. Which is weird because, like, I mean, it's unnecessary. I mean, I guess it sort of shows that she, uh, Megan is thoughtful, but it's just sort of, it's, it's just kind of weird because she I, could easily just be in the background of the scene and, it, and and no one would notice. So like I said, like, I bought this issue about a month or two before I probably picked up the first issue of Excalibur. And I really feel that the way that they ended up writing Megan was a very subservient, naive girlfriend. So this is a part of that sort of mentality? Sort of lends itself to it. Like, I'm not going to participate in this conversation, and I'm going to get out of the way because I can sense the cap- uh, that uh, Brian wants to talk to Betsy. So I'll just watch TV. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Just keep your eye out on it, I guess, if you can remember and. 15 weeks when we finally get to Excalibur. I'm popping my eye out now. <laughs> okay. Uh, the amount of this conversation basically amounts to Betsy not really knowing where she fits in. She sees um, Dazzler as having nowhere else to go, and that's why she's here. Uh, she sees Havoc as wanting to do the right thing, so that's why he's here. Um, Wolverine and Storm are born into this life of fighting and uh, being, a, being a warrior. And she does not know which she is. And Brian hugs her, or his little sister. Yeah. We flip over to Wolverine, and, and we find out why he was trying to get blind, stinking drunk. Because apparently it's uh, the anniversary of when Mariko told him to walk away. And this is where classic X-Men always throws me off, because I can't remember if this is the first time we've ever seen Wolverine's room, or if that was a classic mm-hmm. X-Men thing. We've seen Wolverine sleeping in his room, but I don't know that we've ever seen like this sword kind of sword shrine thing that he's got going on with all the pictures of Mariko. But yeah, yeah you're right. I, I guess we probably have. and We probably saw those in the pages of Classic X-Men. Hard to tell. Yeah. We should have never read Classic X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So take that from us. If this is your first issue and you want to read all the X-Men, just skip all those Classic X-Men backstories. Well, read them as they are published, not as not along with the issues that they are representing. Yeah. And don't read Classic X-Men because, remember, they would insert panels or redraw them sometimes. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. And we went through every issue of those and compared and contrasted. Wow. We really did you guys a favor. Yeah. Those were my least favorite uh issues to read they were so tedious you'd have to read them twice well anyways uh wolverine narrates to himself essentially the uh story of him and mariko and her walking away because she needed to earn his honor and blah 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 blah. so he's he's in he's in a bad way right now yes today is the anniversary of their wedding that didn't happen and so he decided to get blind stinking drunk, which he doesn't think is very worthy, but uh, he doesn't know what else to do because he's sad. Storm, meanwhile, is in her loft. She's um, talking to her plants. She's stretching out and she's thinking it would be nice if uh, the plants thought she thought it would be nice if the plants could do something for Wolverine. Well, I, it was important to note that Wolverine does say, forgive me, Mariko. I feel as though I'd give my soul for things to be different. It's a very important line. That's true. We should not skip over. That's true. I mean, yeah, the whole 
the whole Wolverine coming home drunk and being depressed because of Mariko plays a very important part in the story. Okay, we haven't glossed over it. Everybody got that? Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Storm's, so yes. Storm gets zapped by something. Ow! <laughs> she says. Betsy senses it, and she's like, we're under attack! And she sigh calls Rogue, who flies in with Captain Britain and Megan. They crash through the uh, loft's window, and they see some crazy man who has just, I don't know, choked or something, Storm. She's fallen to the ground. I'm super strong enough to handle pretty much any opposition on my own. With Captain Britain and his lady to back me up, clobbering this creep should be a cinch. Wolverine hears this, so he pops his claws and he runs out of his room, but his wits aren't entirely about him, and he almost clips Dazzler. I mean, he hits her, but not not with his claws. Yeah, he shouldn't be running around with his claws out like this. He's still a little tanked. He, and he even admits it, he's like, blast, still woozy from all the booze, gotta focus, concentration, sober myself. And somebody grabs him by the face and throws him on top of Dazzler. Dazzler hits her face into the ground. (laughs) She's unconscious. Also knocks Havoc over and, you know, Wolverine's got an adamantium bone, so he's probably really heavy. Knocks him unconscious. So, uh, Dazzler gets punched in the gut by Wolverine and then gets her face smashed on the ground by Wolverine later, inadvertently. Yeah, And this is where I think that Longshot's naked because he comes out with his knives in his belt and he's kind of like hiding behind the door. And then when he gets out, he's squatting. Nah, he's got underpants. It's... I mean, that shadow is in the perfect form <laughs> of underpants. I know, but it just could be weird inking that they're like, oof. I don't know. I feel like the original intent was to have him naked. And maybe uh, whoever's inking this was like, no, no, no. We're putting some briefs on this guy. No, if they wanted him <laughs> naked, they they would have used, they would have like, they would have done these positions like in the first panel where you can't see his junk. Well, okay, fine. Because this, this panel, you could obviously see his junk <laughs> if he was not naked. He gets grabbed. Uh, somebody reaches through a wall, grabs him, and he's out for the count. And then the shadow of whoever this is uh, finds Betsy, who was the last one, apparently, and says, Psylocke, your friend's beaten. Surrender, or they die. She thinks to herself that she can escape if she ran. Uh, but what if that means the X-Men's death? So ultimately, she yields. And that's when this man says, of course, I always win. I always will. I am Horde. And you will be my... This is the guy from the cover. Yeah, you'll be my companions. So let's go. Or I guess he says, if you will be so kind as to join your companions, we'll be on our merry way. And it's a pretty cool panel because like Horde is floating in space and all of the X-Men are slabs in various um, disarray all floating in space like storms upside down wolverine's facing down rogue is facing up everybody's just like they're they're basically like slabs of meat everybody's every which way i wonder where magneto is for all this he's with the new mutants (laughs) and where are the new mutants at the hellfire club (laughs) they're still at the dance or whatever Yes, this is the night of the dance. Okay. So Horde teleports them to somewhere else, and he says, I'm really powerful. Um, I'm a mutant. I'm a mutant, like you, gifted with extraordinary powers that set me apart. But unlike you, losers, I uh, am going to rule humanity. So deal with it. Yeah, but I don't think humanity is not what he wants. He's like an alien mutant. Oh, yeah. Rule everybody, not just humanity. Yeah. 
And uh, Wolverine challenges him. He says, you figure on ruling us, bub. And Horde, for some reason, grabs Storm and says... He's like, no, I already do. And to show you how I already do, I'm going to grab Storm. And none of you can do anything about it. And they they don't. Uh, And that's when Horde zaps them all to have their costumes on. And then he puckers up and kisses, forces a kiss onto Storm, which is gross. Uh, as for you, Storm, perhaps when you complete your task, assuming, of course, you prove yourself worthy, I shall award you, reward you by making you my consort and kisses her. And then tosses her aside. Uh, Rogue manages to catch her. And then he moves on to Megan and Captain Britain's a little bit upset. Now, who is this lovely creature? Leave Megan. Um, leave Megan B. No, uh, I can't do an English accent now. Um, I don't know who's who's in. Uh, leave Megan B. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Leave, we'll go with that. leave, leave Megan B. Leave Megan B. It's three words. <laughs> Live Megan B. Oh, you're going, you're going that way. Live Megan B. There you go. <laughs> Captain Britain's totally cockney. Um, Psylocke tries to convince using telepathy that Horde has no interest in uh, Megan or any of us, but he points out that his, her mind powers have no control over him. Long shots luck won't work because he's the only luck, lucky one here. Um, Havoc's powers are useless against him, and Rogue can't absorb his powers. And the X-Men are like, we've heard that. That's a tune we've heard before uh, when he calls himself the Lord of all creation. And then the X-Men fight him. Dazzler starts it by looking at her and saying, you sneer before a monster that looks could kill. Well, Dazzlers can. And she fires her eye beams that she now has because of her Dazzle blasts at Horde. And yes, the X-Men launch into action. Everybody gives them everything that they've got. And Horde... Except except for Storm. Storm stands back. She does. Well, she doesn't have any powers, but... Watching her friends in the grip of this terrible manic berserker fury with a cool, cool, assessing gaze, thinking that this is too pat, too easy, there has to be a catch. There is... And that catch is that Horde is not hurt at all. But below him is like a crater of damage. So he he took it all. Um, it didn't hurt him. And the job here, uh, Horde, uh, would like the X-Men to go into the Citadel of Light and steal the legendary Crystal of Ultimate Vision. Storm's like, why us? And Horde's like, well, because I don't want to dirty my hands. So you're going to do it for me. Because as thieves, you're just about the best. Yep. Storm oh, one. by the way, if you refuse, I'll destroy the Earth. Yeah, right. And some of these panels, I feel like uh, Alan Davis has drawn Horde to look like a Dr. Seuss character. Oh, yeah. Which I like. And in some char- at some uh, points, he's, he's really evil looking. Other points, he's really Dr. Seussian. I wish he spoke in rhymes. <laughs> that, would be, that would be cool. Storm, fox and socks, socks and fox, <laughs> socks and box and fox and socks. I don't understand what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Storm is warm. Warm is storm. (laughs) And so uh, Wolverine's like, look, we're not the only super beings on Earth. They'll all band together and fight you. Horde's like, they'll fail. And Betsy reaches into his mind and says, they will fail because I can see it. He's destroyed entire worlds filled with super beings before. This isn't exactly what she says, but more or less. Yeah, more or less. So Storm says, well, 
Uh, looks like we have no choice. Um, where's this citadel? And in a full page spread, we see that it's been behind them the whole time. And it's this big old tower, which uh, it's purple and white and green. And it's got all these statues out in front of it, leading leading up to it. It's got what looks like a big eye of Agamotto up at the top. Uh, have a... it's, it's not the eye of Agamotto. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different eye. It's the eye of Adam Motto. Uh, uh, you sure? Havoc recognizes a couple of these statues as a Cree and a scrawl, but I feel like the guy next to the scrawl is a one of those um, early creatures the X-Men fought like a long, long time ago. Well, the one on the opposite side of the scroll is the Cree. Um, some of these characters look like Dr. Seuss characters, as you mentioned. No, but, but like, the a, guy, warped, the like guy, a warped Dr. Seuss. The guy next the, to the scroll looks like a guy that the X-Men have fought like way back when. It looks like Man-Thing to me, or maybe Despair. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It definitely looks like a man thing and type of guy. I thought maybe he might have been a despair creature. I don't remember. Maybe it's despair. The rest of these creatures uh, are unrecognizable. Or or maybe they have been background aliens in various comics. Um, it's probably just uh, Alan Davis drawing weird creatures. Be cool if if they were like all back background aliens that we'd seen before. That would be cool. And so, yeah, they're they're gonna go in. Um, I guess they're gonna do it. Allison, what this place makes me feel is that fear. Says Longshot in a very submissive voice. Well, what was my Longshot? Oh yeah, it was it was like it was like I turned it. I made him a dog. <laughs> Allison, what this place make me feel is that fear. Now he's Homer Simpson. <laughs> Uh, Wolverine and Storm go off and have a quick little conference about, like, what this caper actually means. They both agree that even if they succeed, Horde will probably enslave them or just kill them. But think, Logan. We also know that no power we possess can do Horde harm. Yet he sends us, as he has others before him, to claim his prize, which suggests that somewhere within is something that terrifies him that can perhaps even destroy him. All we need to do is find it and learn to use it. Which is a good leadership plan. Like, okay, if we stay here, we die. If we go in there, we at least have some time to figure out what's going on and see if we can't mount a counterattack. Wolverine says, a long shot gamble, darling, if I ever heard one. To which and she says, it's fortunate then that we have a long shot with us. And uh, his power is fantastic luck. Let us hope it serves us well. If not, as the saying goes, Logan, this is as good a day as any to die and she kisses wolverine um wolverine's just, like ew horde germs <laughs> yeah i was like passing the horde germs along <laughs> and the I best was just of trying to get this off of my mouth it <laughs> yeah. tastes disgusting this is as good a day to die as any to die and with the best of friends to do it with so this kiss it's it's interesting because as a kid you're like Whoa! Storm's got a thing for Wolvie. <laughs> I never thought that. I thought I was always like, "Oh man, I can't wait till I have like female friends and we're just kissing all the time because we're <laughs> friends and that's what friends do." Maybe that's what Chris Claremont thinks. Maybe that's what Chris Claremont's life has been like. Uh, just like lady friends. He's like, "Yeah, how's it going? Want to go out for dinner?" Yeah, maybe. I guess sure. But this is like it's 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 presented as though it's a slightly big deal. I mean, they give it its own kind of panel to itself, and it's very it's very tender and 
if this is if this is your kiss yeah if this is your first x-men comic book you definitely think that there's a relationship going on between these two characters well except that previously we know that wolverine hadn't gotten married that's true. It's a good so point. It's it's all very it's it's strange to put that and this because we know through reading this that Wolverine has his heart set on someone else. Right. I mean, does it bother you that they kissed? It's just an interesting choice. I mean, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I'm 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 assuming that it is a a kiss of friendship. Yes. Well, and it's also like something that I've never had. <laughs> right. Like, hey, if we're gonna die, like. Let's but think. is she revealing her true feelings to him or is she just like, I don't know. Or I guess I guess I've never been in a situation where I've almost I probably was likely to die and some random person gave me a kiss. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Storm is not random. I mean, these people. Oh, right. okay. a, a close friend of mine. OK, close female friend. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, or male friend for that matter. Well, I guess it's the 21st century. I mean. No judgment here. Um, it also could just be to set up a panel that happens towards the end of the comic book. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, there is a, there's a payoff for this panel. I mean, it's not okay. much of a payoff, but this isn't like a one and done and then they move on. There's, there's It's it's addressed later. Um, but, yeah, this is, yeah, I don't know. They're friends. Probably making more out of it than there is. I Like, I just, I just don't really, I guess, understand it. Right. It seems like an interesting choice that I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So they so they, they enter uh, and uh, what is it? a long shot holds behind. He doesn't want to come inside and he says, my legs don't want to walk. My hearts don't want to make them. I'll stay outside. <laughs> Dazzler. I mean, we're starting to see the bud budding attraction between Dazzler and Longshot, um, or at least from Dazzler to Longshot. Uh, is she attracted to him because she knows he has a Ken doll body? <laughs> yeah, she's like, there's no threat. <laughs> um, I mean, we know from the Longshot Limited series that all women are attracted to, da- uh, to Longshot. Ah, good point. So she's like, uh, come, come on in. I'll be here with you. We're partners to the end. Um, we need you. And she thinks to herself, I need you. And he's like, she's, she's scared. And Longshot makes her feel a little more safe. And, uh, he's like, okay. So he comes in and the giant door slams behind them all. Someone must have shut up. Someone must have shot us in, but they certainly won't keep us out. Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Says Captain Britain, scramming the door, I guess, which means he throws his entire body at the door, bouncing off of it. Havoc uses his power to try to blast the door open, uh, to which Captain Britain's like, Fuss, fascinating. Havoc's projecting focused high-intensity plasma. As a physicist, I'd love to explore how his body manipulates and metabolizes such energies. Now I'm poor Australian. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks. I'm afraid we're stuck, says Havoc. Wolverine sees a bunch of bones. He's got a bunch of sense, and he's like, I'll go ahead and uh, try to find a way to where we're going. Uh, Havoc says the door is like Krell Metal in the movie Forbidden Planet. Have you have you seen Forbidden Planet? Uh, did Mystery Science Theater 3000 do a Forbidden Planet? I don't know which movie Forbidden Planet is. I can't. I can't remember. Is it like? Is it the 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 Star Trek one or the pre Star Trek one with Leslie Nielsen as the captain? Mm, I don't know. I think. 
Isn't it the Lost in Space like movie, but not Lost in Space? It's got Robbie the Robot. Okay, so Robbie the Robot is so there's two there's two there's the two main main robots. There's which one is Lost in Space? Is that Robbie the Robot? Oh, you're right. There are because they're they're different. I thought they were the, the same. No, they're very similar. Okay, but I, I think if Forbidden Planet is is the one that I'm thinking of, it's it's the big like uh, tire robot. <laughs> who kind of who kind of has like tire arms and legs and walks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? Isn't that what the Lost in Space robot does? I could be getting them both confused. No, I think the Lost in Space robot doesn't have like a proper body the way that like he's got a round head. And then there's also the black hole robots. What? Remember those? No. Oh man, those are. I think those are more like R two D two though. Oh, so many robots. Uh, so yeah. Danger Will Robinson says the Lost in Space robot. His um, name is- see, um, okay, so I'm looking at a cover of Forbidden Planet from 1956. You're right; it's got like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man arms and legs. He's holding up a girl. He's got like a glass dome head. But I thought that that's what Lost in Space looked like. No, the Lost in Space robot is. St- Different-ish. <laughs> All right. I'm going to look him up, too. Well, it's not the Netflix Lost in Space robot. Oh, no, good. that one's all futuristic and crazy. <laughs> that that one looks like... Oh, uh, you're like right. Okay, Matrix so or something. The Lost in Space robot, he's got... He's got like he doesn't have a don't. Okay, they're two very different robots. You're right. He's got he's got like a round head with like 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 uh, Saturn's rings around it or something like that. Kind of, and it, he has like a propane tank shaped body, little rubber legs, and then uh, like little claws that kind of stick out of it, protrude from the front of his body. Um, yes, those are very different robots. So what was the point? It's like Krell Metal from Forbidden Planet. I don't think I've ever seen Forbidden Planet. Oh, it's definitely worth watching. If if it's the movie that I'm thinking of, it's it's a it's a movie that happens. It was a pre-Star Trek movie that you can see how much Star Trek took from it. Oh, well, it's it's, it's, it's 1956, so it's definitely it's very it's very much inspirational to Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and Leslie Nielsen plays the captain, and 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 he's very different. Than the Leslie Nielsen we knew. Commander Adams, he plays. It's a good movie. It's a good sci-fi movie. It's it's it feels very old. It's probably very slow. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen it, but it is. I, I liked it a lot. Okay. Do you remember if, the, if if it's the movie that I'm thinking of? Do you remember the Krell Metal? No. Well, okay. Well, I no. <laughs> <laughs> then you have no frame of reference for whatever Havoc's talking about. Well, that's why I was asking: Is Forbidden Planet that movie? Because well, I don't know what Krell Metal is. Well, he says, like, Krell Metal in the movie Forbidden Planet. Sorry, folks, but I'm I, afraid we're stuck. But I don't know if, like, the movie that I'm thinking of is Forbidden Planet. Oh. Well, Forbidden oh, well. Planet does have Leslie Nielsen. Oh, okay. So you're actually looking it up. Okay. Then, yeah, yeah. I okay. used I used internet sources. I gotcha. Okay. I'm a step behind, but I'm caught up now. Yep. And let's, to, to rewind, Lost in Space, Robot's a different robot. Very different. So Rogue gets uh, sidetracked by something that she she wanders over to one of the crystal walls and inside of it she sees her the bell of the ball a princess so beautiful in, so happy in the old south it's like a uh, party from what was that movie the gone with the wind i never saw gone with wind well that was more for our audience than for you <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i mean it would have been for you but you didn't you never saw gone with the wind Rogue's thinking to herself, oh, she has a home, a family, everything I've always dreamed of. It ain't fair. Uh, Why can't those gifts be mine? And then from the other side of the wall, 
Rogue, who's in the Southern Belle outfit, says, They can be. All you need to do is join with the dream and make it your reality. And she does. You want? I want to say that this is a straight-up scene lifted from Gone with the Wind. It probably is. It's probably I good. mean, except for the part where Rogue merges through the window into other Rogue. Yeah. That didn't happen in Gone with the Wind. That was <laughs> off camera. I wish it would have, though. <laughs> then I'd have seen the movie. Um, Psylocke comes so, up, and she's like, oh, um, she's completely gone. I caught flashes in her mind of what happened. She got her heart's desire, uh, but she's gone. So the old body of Rogue is now standing, facing a wall with tears in her eyes. She's a complete solid statue, and then she turns into dust. Yep. And I wish they hadn't turned her into dust, because the second they do that, you're like, oh. Well, this isn't this isn't real. It would have you know, been. It's, it's it's one of those comic tropes where you're just like, oh, this is gonna this all this is gonna be made undone. Right. But if you just leave her at the wall, you know, then then you don't know what's gonna happen. Right. I oh, agree. Are they gonna come back and rescue Rogue? The decision to make her disintegrate was was an interesting one. So they're starting to figure this out that maybe this is gonna happen to everybody. So they're gonna stay together. They're gonna try to press on. Um, Longshot notices that his hand is starting to disappear. Maybe before the uh, like in the eighties, people weren't uh, as cynical comics fans, and this was back when deaths actually meant something. Mm. So you were kind of like, "Whoa, the stakes just got real." Except that's that's like a nineties phrase, but. <laughs> Rogue just disintegrated. This is probably permanent in an annual. I doubt it. I, I don't know. What were the 80s like? I, I don't know. I mean, I remember reading this when it was new or newish, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, I don't know. I don't think I was like, oh, my God, Star or Rogue's dead. <laughs> um, Dazzler's also lighting up the place with all of her power. And uh, Not too shabby for the Team Nightingale, eh, guys? Neither your power, Allison, nor what it reveals. Longshot runs after the rest of the group, because um, he was falling behind when he was disappearing. Uh, Havoc. Well, Captain Britain's throw, like, Havoc. Fit. <laughs> well, Havoc, you and Dazzler had best be careful how you use your powers. With all these reflecting, with all these reflecting surfaces around us, a stray shot could start ricocheting. And that's when Havoc loses it. Because he's tired. He's tired of Fantastic Four versus X-Men. Everybody's criticizing him and competing with him. And, and now people are just lecturing him. He's like, I've been a hero for longer than all you guys. You don't need to tell me what to do. I'm having. I'll clue you in on a little secret, Buster. I'm tired of being told what to do as if I don't know any better. And now I'm going to release all of my powers into the universe, which he does. Um, Dazzler, I think it is, says, Havoc, you're burning us. None of you know what it's like for me to stay absolutely, completely in control of my power every stinking second of every stinking day. <laughs> I'm going to become a star. And he does. He turns into a star. <laughs> Uh, which doesn't really seem to me to be the thing that he would his heart's desire would be. To me, his heart's desire would be to uh, be living with Lorna in Arizona with no powers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I can I can see Rogue's desire to be Belle of the Ball, being able to touch, dance, have a family. That makes sense. I don't know. Well, I guess the Belle of the Ball bit seems a little weird, but yeah, the rest of it. Yeah. So Havoc is now a frozen statue kind of casting his arms up into the sky. And uh, Dazzler asks again, will this happen to us? There are worse fates. I sense his thoughts clear as air. He's far ahead. Oh, that's Wolverine. Yep, she's talking about Wolverine. Uh, And so they, they continue on their journey. 
when they realize that Longshot is disappearing. For the love of mercy, before it's too late, someone, any of you, please help him! I'm flying away, he says, and, and he's getting... He not only uh, disappears, but he gets larger, and I guess he's expanding until he expands so large that he becomes a part of the Citadel? Yes, which is probably the biggest unexplained mystery of this issue. Um, Silex says, I sense his presence all around us. He's become one with the Citadel. Megan asks why. Perhaps his innocence, Megan, his innate purity. We have heart's desires, choices to make about our lives and destinies. Perhaps the Citadel couldn't stand long shot having none. Do I'm I just spitballing here. Kind of, you know, yeah, right. It's just, just a theory I'm running on. But I guess... What else? What, you, what do you guys got? Yeah. You guys don't have telepathy. You don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, what else would Longshot's desires be? He's He was created by Mojo. He's got no memory of his past. He's stuck on this planet. He doesn't even really talk about his past. So yeah. what, what he's Longshot's actually fairly one dimensional at this point. His his as far as we know, his desire is to overthrow Mojo. Maybe. Yeah. And we only know that from the end of the Longshot series. Right. Beyond that, I mean, he hasn't really been into that lately. Nope. Dazzler's blaming herself for him coming in because, you know, if she wouldn't have begged him to come in, he wouldn't have, and he wouldn't be sucked into the Citadel. So she runs away. It's my fault, uh, she says. Captain Britain's going to chase after her, but Storm wisely says, um, neither, I, I, I can't really risk any of you being separated, so Psylocke, uh, go go be silent with her. So Psylocke, which is very which is very smart. Yeah. So when Psylocke, she's calmer, lead her back to us. Yeah. So Psylocke follows her around for quite a while until Dazzler trips and I guess gets about her wits and Psylocke's like, Do you feel better? And she's like, Yeah, I guess. You gonna come back? She's like, You'd have me after the way I behaved and Psylocke's like, Yep, we're friends, come on back. But before she can get an answer, the lights all go out and Dazzler sees herself as a lawyer who's putting the kingpin away. She determines that that is the life that her father would have wanted for her. She sees herself being promoted to a chief justice. Yeah. Also something her father First woman to hold that high office, she says. Then she sees... To, to an audience. <laughs> she sees herself as a singer who's dressed like that girl from X Factor, uh, uh, Skids. Yeah, she has kind of the same color scheme, yeah. Yeah. And then, and that's, that's her own dream for herself. And then she's wondering, uh, something stopped her in all of those situations. Is this how she's going to go through life, being a loser? And that's when she sees herself in the back alley, picking up cans from a garbage can. She doesn't know which path to choose, the, the rock star, the homeless woman, or the lawyer. It's up to her to choose, no one to depend on, no one to blame but myself. If I never take a risk, I'll never have to worry about making a mistake, failing, being hurt, or safety and defeat, luxury and self-pity. Is that what I really want? And apparently, yes, because she goes into the homeless woman. Yeah, she takes the easy road, so she doesn't have to worry about anything. She becomes a homeless bag lady. And Psylocke's like, blast it, we lost her. And she punches the side of the Citadel wall and it comes crashing down. Ladies, look out, says Captain Britain to the ladies. <laughs> but only pushes Megan out of the way. <laughs> uh, they rationalize that maybe there was a fault in this crystal because 
Psylocke's not that strong. But Psylocke notices that she's got a tear in her skin from the razor-sharp crystal shards. And as she starts peeling away her skin, there is metal skin beneath it. And she kind of, I guess she just kind of hides that from everybody else. Don't look this way! (laughs) Yeah. If our luck holds, I'll wager we'll be able to smash my way to our destination no matter how far. Buck up, Betsy! Tide's turning! It's it's our inning now, says Captain Britain. So his plan is to fly through the brittle crystal palace. And so he yes. Earlier, uh, Betty, Betsy, with her telepathy, had said that the uh, the crystal that they're looking for, she could sense it, and that it was maybe uh, several stories beneath them. Yeah. So Captain Britain flies straight down. Yep. Megan takes Daz or Psylocke and Storm and follows, and they get to a miniature replica of the citadel, citadel scaled to human dimensions. Have we arrived, Betsy? <laughs> the crystal's inside. It's inside, it resonates in my head like a living being, or mind. I don't know, one of those. So they're working their way in. Uh, Captain Britain's punching a whole bunch of crystal walls away. And what on the outside looks like a crystal wall, on the inside is a door. And inside that door is Brian and Megan with a baby. And Megan looks like she's pregnant with a second. And it looks like Psylocke is the housemaid. Betsy is there, too. I guess she's just, I, I don't know, maybe she made dinner. I don't know why. She's she's wearing a robe, or a, not a robe, a, apron. Uh, an apron. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what her deal is, but Captain Britain says, Betsy, you can join us. Yeah, <laughs> there's a place a place here for you. Betsy's like, nah, that's not my place. And uh, as she's denying Brian the the place by their side, she rips off her face in a pretty cool panel. It's a great sequence. Like mm-hmm. the first, the first she's grabbing her skin, and the second panel, you just see the terrified faces of Brian and Megan, and you see her peeled off face in front of them mm-hmm. and in the third panel you see a full solid metal version of betsy um pretty neat she says like you i have found my true self my identity i must fight to protect those i care for so her secret desire is to be powerful and vulnerable strong she's a warrior she's decided that she like wolverine and storm is a warrior Warriors, come out to play. <laughs> oh, warriors. And so uh, Captain Britain and Megan are kind of warped into their family life. So they're pulled away. You're not my sister. You're not You're not even human. And so Storm and uh, Psylocke, they separate paths. Um, yeah, Psylocke wants to... Uh, Psylocke can sense Horde is coming towards them now that they've discovered the crystal. So she's going to go attempt to stop him i don't think she thinks that she has a chance but she's got a better chance she's gonna buy time for storm to to do whatever needs to be done right wolverine meanwhile he's uh still sniffing around trying to trying to figure out where he needs to go he's also Others are doing their share well i'm turning out to be as much use here as i was at the mansion against horde some warrior, some flaming wolverine man pace is cutting us down to size i don't know how he knows that <laughs> Psylocke, uh, Psy linked everybody together earlier. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy it. (laughs) And so Wolverine then discovers that he's in Japan and he's like, whoa, every sense tells me this is real. I can smell everything. And that's Mariko. What's she doing there? Those eyes to die for, he says. 
They embrace. They kiss. She um, says um, that, well, he says this never happened. You caught off our wedding. And she says, another time, a second chance. Will you cast it to the winds? And they, they kiss, like you said. And But before it, we go there, Paige. Is this, is this what you were referring to? No. This, Paige. This, oh. No. Page 31 uh, started. This is the first appearance that I know of anyway, of the coolest ad campaign ever. Any uh, ever. It's 1987. Do you know what your children are? And you got those. So do you. Do you know what your children are? What did I say? You did. You did say that. Yeah. I was just. I was repeating what you said. Oh yeah, and so you got your four children there, and in the last, I think it's a picture of Franklin, and it says "muty." <laughs> Paid for by the citizens in support of the Mutant Registration Act. Right, and I think this ties into the contest that they run a little bit later, where they they ask you to send in your mutant creations to be featured no, in a comic book it's not like a lead-in to follow the mutants or anything oh i'm sure it is but I, I think that all ties together with that uh with that mutant contest too it's all tied together but yes this definitely is uh a a um a seed for fall of the mutants but it's cool because it doesn't say like look for fall of the mutants coming soon it's just it's just just like an ad but it's not an ad yeah it looks like um like the the advertisement on the side of a milk carton. Do you know where your children are? Yeah. So cool. it's, it's, it's very clever. I like it. So this image of Mariko kissing Wolverine, is that what you meant no. about the I, image of no. storm? No. no, I already said but no. I, but it kind of, I mean, it makes sense. I guess if you, she, she grabs Wolverine and kisses him. Yeah. Very similar. Um, but that's not what I was referring her hair to. And, and when he pulls back, now she's dressed in some like super leather outfit. Yep. The wild woman that he always wanted. There's a party going on where people are dancing and arm wrestling and people are being thrown. And Wolverine's like, my kind of place, my kind of crowd. But Miko is never part of this life. She don't belong. I belong with you, Logan, a wild woman for my wild man. And she tussles her hair. And she says, is that too much for you to handle? And Wolverine says, I want you so much it hurts more than anything I've ever felt. But not like this. I won't give up my soul for what I just said I would earlier. (laughs) And uh, he slashes through the wall, which allows him to fall through the crystal shards. And he actually lands. He he actually lands in the the miniature version of it. but through the ceiling. Yeah, he must still have to go some ways because he doesn't land on the crystal. No, but he's fallen for quite a ways. He sees Psylocke down there fighting Horde. He wishes he could help, but he's got problems of his own. This is going to hurt when he lands uh, in the crystal castle, whatever it's called. Can't be worse now, I feel, walking away from my dream. Can't shake the notion that somehow means I'm going to lose Miko for real. Storm is almost there. She's almost to the little crystal thing that Horde sent them after when somebody grabs her from her shoulder and says, gotcha. Pulls her into the wall. And of course, that telltale gotcha is Yukio. That's that's her catchphrase. Gotcha. Gotcha. And she's like, hey, remember how much fun we had last time you were here together? Well, now we can always have fun forever. And look at me do backflips and land on a car. Chris Claremont really loves driving home that this was the best time in Storm's life. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and she thinks herself to be a thief again, to dance always on the edge of oblivion. Oh, I never knew truly how to laugh before I met Yukio. In many ways, I have never been the same since. I want to join her, but I can't. This isn't where I belong. I lead the X-Men. It's with none to care for but ourselves, but she she has to care for other people. So she leaves 
immediately. Um, her clothes remain unchanged. She's dressed in a kind of kind of neo-cool kimono. Wolf, that's when Wolverine lands finally right behind her. It's sort of comical. Yes. Lands with a large scrump. <laughs> and uh, he gets up and they talk a little bit about sort of a little bit what about what happened. Yeah, um, they both they both beat their temptations and Storm to say, I doubt I would have the strength to escape a second time from mine. And Wolverine's like, yeah, I get that. And then Betsy's head comes flying into the room. Katonk. Horde walks in and says, Psylocke's effort was almost as great as it was futile. You two care to try? And that's when Wolverine pushes Storm into the wall says out of here darling and for a brief moment storm protests but as soon as she sees yukio she's she's done she's hooked she's in her dream state yep wolverine, wolverine says hated to do that but it's better this way whatever happens she'll survive she'll be safe and happy i don't know how he knows that but okay i should be so lucky but of all the team his adamantium bones and healing factor give him the, the best chance so he's running towards the crystal horde throws a javelin at his back which pierces it wolverine is now on his hands and knees crawling towards the crystal and horde picks him up by the scruff of his sh- shirt kind of a cool panel it says you have a noble heart courageous you have a noble courageous heart wolverine i'll keep it as a trophy and i think what's happened here is horde did uses claws to grab Wolverine's heart. Yeah, he rips it out of his body. You don't really see it, though. It's a close-up of Wolverine's face. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the implication is that Wolverine has been killed. But as he is ripping his heart from his body, a tiny uh, splash of blood is released from Wolverine's body and lands on the crystal, which freaks Horde out. That drop of his blood, no, no! Work so hard. I've earned this prize. It's mine by right. I can't fail now. And the crystal glows brightly. And um, I guess a DNA strand from the blood or something. It's all explained. <laughs> molds into a uh, circuit system. This is. Circuit. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically recreated from that drop of blood. From DNA yeah. strand to brains and a synapses and whatnot to muscle and bone. It's uh, very similar to the uh, Watchmen recreation of Dr. Manhattan, which makes me think that Coast Claremont, once again, has been reading that. Probably. And uh, Horde says, how is this possible? You were dead. I killed you. That's what I thought. But my healing factor is in every cell of my body. So I guess is my will to live. Given sufficient power, my entire body could be regenerated from the genetic data encoded in a single cell or a drop of blood. So Wolverine died. And then that yes. one, he was reborn from that single drop of blood. I, my only problem here is why does he still have adamantium bones? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, other, um, the other thing, it took me a while, like, as a kid to to understand this. Like, I don't know why. Maybe because I was a fast reader. Maybe because I wasn't paying attention. But it seemed to me that, like, if any of the X-Men had made it to the crystal, this would have happened. But it took me, well, I don't know, I guess years of reading it to understand, like, oh, it's Wolverine's healing factor is the only reason this whole thing works. Well, no, that, this, I mean, yes and no. Uh, the only reason that Wolverine is reincarnated from a drop of blood is because of the is, power from the crystal. Is because the power from the crystal superjuces his healing factor. Right. Um, he, he basically says, my healing factor, given enough power, which the crystal has, can uh, heal from anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it just took me a long time to to, under, put, to understand, I guess, to read all of those words and put it into context that if this was Storm and Storm's drop of blood had touched the crystal, um, none of this would have happened. Well, yeah, if, if, if it was Storm's drop of blood, uh, but if it was Storm herself, this also would have happened. True, 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 true. So um, Wolverine is like, that crystal on your forehead to, doesn't belong to you. So I'm going to return To answer home. your adamantium question, he doesn't have adamantium bones right now. Mm, okay. But isn't he... Com- oh, all right. All right. All right. I see what you're getting at. Okay. Zing! Gotcha. So he has no adamantium bones. Uh, so as Horde's crystal is removed from his forehead, it's revealed that Horde's really old and the crystal was giving him an eternity's worth of life. So as soon as it was removed from him... He shriveled up and died. Wolverine doesn't even notice because he is uh, becoming one with eternity, I guess. Uh, He (laughs) says, was this how Jean Grey felt when she became Phoenix? I can sense everything, every particle of matter, every burst of energy, every living thing in all creation, the universe, mine, to do with as I wish. I can do stuff, but I better stop before (laughs) I start because I'm talking like God and I ain't God. I was Horde's trip thing I always hated most was a body mucking with my mind and soul. If I can't abide that being done to me, I got no right doing it to others. I'm going to destroy the crystal. <laughs> and this is where he, yeah, he makes the decision that he's going to destroy the crystal. And this is where the payoff is. Like Storm said, today's, because he figures as soon as he destroys this crystal, like he's saved the day, Earth is safe, and the X-Men will be dead. But at least today was as good a day as any to die. Too bad she ain't here so I could return her kiss. Oh, okay, that's what you meant by the payoff. Yeah. And this is as good as a way of any to go. And he slashes the crystal. The crystal, the giant crystal castle falls down on top of everybody. So he does pop his adamantium claws. But, uh, you know, at this point, he's like he's super amazing. Yeah, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Yep. I get and so then the next page we wake back up where everything all began. So the implication here is that they by destroying the crystal, like none of it actually really happened or it did happen and they were all returned to Right. They they all wake up and most of them think they had a dream. They compare notes and realize that they all had the same dream. Um, Dazzler thinks to herself, am I so totally chicken? Do I really believe myself to be such a loser? Havoc's like, I can't ever lose control. (laughs) And Rogue does say Scarlet O Rogue, which, yes, gone with the wind. I knew it. I I called it. (laughs) I loved it. And uh, not all is bad because Psylocke's like, be happy for me, Brian. Uh, My doubts have been resolved. My question's answered. I know now where I belong and more importantly, why? So I guess with the X-Men is where she belongs. Yeah, it's it's official. They all run over to uh, Wolverine's room. Storm thinks to herself how... For a moment, his spirit touched hers the same way Phoenix did um, years ago. And Wolverine is kneeling before his sword. And Storm says she he's standing guard watching over his bodies. She thinks to herself, as he did our spirits, as much as worthy, the X-Men's champion. And perhaps creations as well, as he is Lady Mariko's. She, uh, Storm heads up to the roof, where she sits and looks out at the sky we get a ton of dialogue uh, or uh, captions explaining that they all pretty soon forget this ever happened and that the crystal citadel uh, 
rebuilds itself and it was in fact a test a time eternal test where if you do what wolverine did and you destroy the crystal your race gets to continue to evolve but if you're like all any of the races of these statues which are the scroll the kree whatever and you attempt to take the power for your own which presumably is what horde would have done you end up becoming a statue and your race never gets past the place where it is currently. So the crawl and the scree are genetically frozen in place, never to evolve another step. They will always be at war, always and forever, hmm. which is kind of a cruel thing for Chris Claremont to do. Because like now every other writer can't evolve the scroll or the Cree. Yeah, yeah, because a new writer came in and like, you know what I want to do with the scroll? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You could look back at X-Men Annual number 11. You can't. Sorry, man. X-Men Annual 11 basically said you can't do it. Friggin' Chris Claremont. It ruined it for everybody. I was so looking forward to the scroll Cree evolution conclusion. Yeah, as soon as thing. they became friends and yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyways, this is uh, it's a good issue. This is a really good issue. This is this is like probably my favorite annual so far. Way back when you said that there were no good annuals, and I said that there were two. Was this one of them? This was one of them. The other one was number ten. I didn't real. I guess I didn't think that this was an annual for some reason. Like I know about this story, but right because it reads like a like just a story, just like uh, X Men Annual Number Ten was just kind of a goofy X Men story. Like so a good annual one. should be. Um, and Not then, like X-Factor Annual 2 is. Oh, boy. And then I think um, every annual after this is part of a larger, crappier annual tie-in. Well, for a while, at least. Is it? It's okay. Well, Eventually, they get past that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, X-Factor Annual number two, which is something that I read, uh, was very painful, but it has a payoff in it. Longshot is featured in it, as well as Power Pack and Franklin and the Inhumans. Um, the story basically boils down to Quicksilver's being controlled by... Did you read the story? I don't remember who the guy was that was controlling him. Uh, Maximus. Maximus was his name, yeah. The and mad so, brother of uh, Inhuman Black Bolt guy. Yes, uh, lots of things happen, but the only thing that's really relevant is that Longshot, not Longshot, Quicksilver comes to his senses. He becomes a good father, uh, vows to continue raising Luna. I guess Crystal is Crystal was Luna's mother. Yes, Crystal oh, and uh, Quicksilver are the parents of Luna. This must be like a very interesting time to be reading Fantastic Four because like Crystal's, you know, a neglectful mother who's like, Cheating on Quicksilver with Johnny Storm. Well, the, this this is kind of no, no. She's not she's not cheating on Quicksilver with Johnny Storm. At this point, Johnny Storm is married to Alicia. Oh, that's right. Okay. So Quick Crystal is just being a neglectful mother. Um, but she was cheating on him with somebody else. Yeah, she 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 did cheat on uh, Quicksilver with that. Remember Vision and Scarlet Witch? Yes. She was cheating on him with some random human guy. Yes. Um, according to this, that was all because she was under Mad Max's control. Okay. Um, I don't know how this plays out in the Fantastic Four, and I'm very curious if, like, they just had Crystal join the Fantastic Four, and I'm wondering if they're kind of ticked off at whoever for writing <laughs> whoever this. Whoever wrote this Thanks issue. Thanks for spoiling the whole thing. Yeah. 
Um, but as far as X-Men related stuff, um, the uh, X-Factor is zapped to the moon and X-Factor's like, oh man, this is where Phoenix died. And Jean's all like, oh, yeah. Somebody even says like, remember when we were here? And she's like, I was never here. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, and I couldn't remember. Beast is one of the ones that says like, oh, it's just like that time when Phoenix died. But I didn't remember if Beast was on the moon when she died because I didn't. Sure, he was. They all were. All of them were. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just like the new X Men and Cyclops. But Be- Beast Beast was with them at that time because okay. the whole Magneto thing had just happened. And, right. You oh, you're uh, right. You're right. Yep. Yep. I remember now. Um, let's see. And so yes, um, um, Marvel Girl is all mad at Cyclops because lately Cyclops has been confusing her with Phoenix and now here they are uh, on the blue area of the moon where Phoenix died and he keeps making little Phoenix faux pas but at the end of the issue they kind of make up and she's like or Cyclops says something really nice like oh at the end of the day Phoenix sacrificed herself to save all humanity and I want to think that she got that sensibility from cloning you and, and she's like oh that's really nice why don't you show me where you're phoenix died and so they go they take a a walk out to where phoenix died and uh she says well i don't know about tomorrow but for now everything's okay which basically means this is an annual and none of this matters (laughs) exactly (laughs) because it's like let's take this really important moment and make it into nothing yep because i i think there's a few more issues of x factor before like real forgiveness starts but uh yeah this was it was it was a sloggy um annual yeah it was uh there's too much happening at at, at going on and i can't remember who the artist was but it was he was not good it was tom grindberg who i've never heard of um inked by joe rubenstein yeah um the, the the thing that i liked about it is when quicksilver's in central park and can't figure out why he can't run fast it's because Artie is there yeah no um, leech that, is there or, or Le- leech i mean yeah and uh lockjaw's powers don't work either his teleportation powers i kind of like that um and then C- cyclops says get leech away from here so we can use our powers and it's just like why would you do that <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's one guy it's quicksilver <laughs> and there's like one and one guy and a very large dog but like there's six of you yeah just just no powers just just b- bum rush him yeah <laughs> yeah so anyhow uh, and it doesn't it, do, it and it doesn't make sense because Iceman stays iced up the whole time. So yeah. that seems like a major error. Yeah, and I I mean it, I mean it's continuity-wise they are trying their best to keep it all together. Iceman does talk a lot about how his powers have been overpowered, remember since his visit with Loki. And yeah. at one point he does cut loose uh, and he freezes himself into a giant solid block and X-Factor has to rescue him from the solid block. Otherwise he'll suffocate. Yeah. But So there's some good stuff in this issue. It's just, there's a lot going on. Yep. yep. Not as good as uh, X-Men annual number 11 though. No, not, not at all. Not even in the <laughs> just, <laughs> not top at 100 all. best annuals of all time. There was a kind of a dopey little area where Power Pack knows that Artie and Leech hang out with the Exterminators, but they don't know that Scott and Gene are either X-Factor or the Exterminators. So at one point, Power Pack sends um, Katie Power to 
Go tell Artie to go tell the exterminators that Quicksilver is trying to kidnap Franklin. And Katie does tell Artie this. And Scott and uh, Gene are like, oh, can you watch Artie while we go deliver your message to the exterminators? (laughs) We'll be right back with the exterminators, but we'll not be here. And And then they run into a bathroom to change their costumes, which like if you're if there's a kid like she just said, Franklin is being kidnapped by Quicksilver. You don't go change your friggin' <laughs> costumes. Just, you go save the friggin' kid. Go save Franklin. Uh, and apparently everybody in the Marvel Universe knows that Franklin is the child of the Fantastic Four and has powers. But nobody bothers to call Reed and be like, you got to watch your kid because he keeps getting kidnapped and going on crazy <laughs> adventures. Like, I guarantee you this adventure was never told back to uh, uh, Reed or Sue. Probably not. <laughs> They'd get so mad. And even the Inhumans are like, oh, look, it's the son of Reed Richards. What are you doing here? <laughs> well, we'll get you back before your parents worry. Well, they don't They don't realize it's the son of Reed Richards at first until he starts oh, talking right. about his dad. But it's not like a like, secret. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Franklin had some amazing telepathic and telekinetic abilities when he was a baby, but he lost them. Ah, yes. And, and that is what Mad Max I don't want to, I don't want to keep calling him Mad Max. That's what Max um Maximus. Max Maximus, who is mad, uh wants to kidnap Franklin for. Yeah, so anyhow, uh there you go. That's uh that's it, man. That's all I got. That's all we got this week. Yeah. Woo! So we'll be back next time with more crazy, mirthful badness. For another 250 episodes and seven years. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We better have 14 listeners. I can't wait till we get into the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. first episode of lost in space on netflix it was surprisingly good i've heard some good things about it uh, i will i will end up watching it as soon as i catch up with ash versus evil dead oh gosh i'm only on episode two of that oh really yeah it's 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 it's, it's i like it yeah but i'm i'm way behind yeah that's okay that's a good one to binge because they're just 30 minute episodes yeah i didn't realize that because i watched the first one I think the first one's an like, hour. Yeah, and so I thought they would all be an hour, and then the second one went by really quick, and I was like, whoa, yeah. what happened? Uh, I like that. I, I now feel that no uh, no show should be longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and actually, you know, with the, with the amazing amounts of television that we have, uh, quality television shows, every show should be 30 minutes and only eight episodes long. Wow. And then and then you can make your production quality like astronomically better because you're not trying to pad out, you know, 14 one hour long episodes. I'd like to see it. Let's, let's see it before I commit to it. Yeah. Well, you know, just because then then you're like you're in, you're out and you're on to the next show. It's not like you're because sometimes you get like invested in a show. Like a lot of people got to like the fifth or sixth season of The Walking Dead and they're like, oh, I just can't, I'm not watching it anymore. And then I'm, at that point, I'm like, well, I'm so invested that I can't walk away now. 
Uh, I, I, I'm still – I'm still – I just finished the fourth season. I'm watching that about a season every two years. Okay. But I won't stop. I'll just finish it. <laughs> I'll just finish it 10 years after it finishes. Right. See, and that's maybe that's why I never got into Agents of Shield because I was just like twenty-two hour-long episodes per season. That's just too much. Oh, and there's so much filler in those ones. There, right? And you want to know why? Because they're twenty-two one-hour-long episodes. Well, I agree with the. I, I definitely agree with that. I think ten is the max. Now think of it. Let's say it was 10 30-minute episodes. Yeah. Wouldn't oh, that be amazing? Pretty, <laughs> I mean, like, the first season of The New Tick is, like, what, 12 episodes, and they're all half hour. Yeah. I've only seen a couple of those. It's good stuff. Yeah, they seem good. Uh, anyways, back to this X-Men comic. Um, Rogue... I thought this was the TV podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, well... Welcome to our 250th. <laughs> I haven't started watching Legion Season 2, uh, and I'd never watched any of the... What was that X-Men show? Or the... The Runaways show. Oh, yeah. Well, the Runaways show was... Well, no. The, the, the Runaways show. The modern the, one. The, the X-Men show was The Gift or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Gifted. Gifted. I haven't watched yeah, that. I never, I never saw that either. Yeah. Uh, if it ever shows up, the library. <laughs> I have it all queued up, but I just... Every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, there's something else on. <laughs> and then I'm also like, does it, does it matter? Like, Disney bought it all. Aren't they just going to throw all that in the garbage and start over? That's a good point. I, mean, all, I don't know. It's all meaningless now. Actually, Does you know the what? TV work separately? I came up with an interesting idea. Do you have time, okay. Adam? I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> I came up with an interesting idea of how Disney could, if they own the rights or if they bought the rights or reference rights or whatever rights you would need to buy, that they could tie in the Fox universe to their own Disney universe. Oh, God, and, I don't want them to do that. On, I don't want them to on, do that. No, 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 listen, <laughs> just listen. And gives them the ability to recast and redo whatever they want to with the X-Men characters. It's really simple. Uh, they've oh. established Watchers, and so all they need to do is introduce the concept of alternate realities and different universes. And in one very quick montage, you could have a watcher introducing mutants and talking about all the alternate universes and all the other things that have happened. And they could even show you like, like, like clips from the Fantastic Four movie, the other Spider, well, actually that's Sony, but you get what I'm saying. They could show you clips from these various movies and then and the watcher could say, but our story takes place in this universe. And you see like a shield helicarrier go by and then you know you're in like the proper Marvel universe and that's when whatever X-Men story takes place. But why? Because, uh, because why not? <laughs> why do you need to tie them together? Why not just like have them not tied together? Because and then you can imagine that exact same thing, but then you don't have to actually see it and sit through that BS. I because I, I think it would be neat. Well, you you do it yourself. <laughs> I think it'd be really neat to have a CGI watcher talking to us about that sort of stuff. I don't want to see a CGI watcher. I want to see you dressed in a robe. <laughs> As a watcher, <laughs> we'll we'll edit it together, and you'll say exactly what you just said. There are many universes, right? And this is one of them, right? Well, then you have to have a little bit more talk. I don't know. You need to punch up the dialogue a little bit. And we'll have like clips from Captain America from the nineteen eighties, uh, and, and like <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. You could, yeah. I I would be all in for that as long as that vignette was no more than two minutes. You know, they kind of did that in the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover cartoon. Oh, did they? Yeah, they're they're they all go to uh, a, a a portal where they see all the different universes, and it has all the different variations. Like you see the 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 
live action ones. Uh, you, you see every iteration of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in this room go by in like these little view screens. And then they end up going back to the Prime Universe, which is the Mirage comic book where everything's black and white and gritty. Yeah, that's cool. It was, it was, it was very cool. And the only reason there, there's no reason to do it. You, you don't need to do it. You don't solve any problems by doing it. But I, I think you, you throw a little teeny carrot out to a whole bunch of people that are like, oh, neat. And you do it in two minutes, and then you just move on with your movie. You got all new actors, all new cast, all new story. You never even have to reference that old stuff. It's just like, look what we did. We tied it all together. I'm okay with it if you do it in a short film that is apart from a movie, and I never have to watch it. No, this is the first X-Men movie that they do. <laughs> <laughs> my my theory is that they're going to like, you know how this whole phase one has been leading up to Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do a phase two and phase two is going to mainly be Fantastic Four and the X-Men. And then they'll they'll recast some of the major parts like we'll get to see a different Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. will probably cameo occasionally. I know. Uh, I, I think I had an addendum to, to that idea. The the way to you, you'll hate this. You, you'll absolutely hate this. But I think it'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> I already hate it. <laughs> is that uh, to 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 get a a new Wolverine cast, but still allow uh, what's his face to fight Hulk, uh, Hugh Jackman. You do this whole alternate universe type thing. So, okay, there you go. You do it in a new, another Wolverine movie that's cast in the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You talk about the universes, and there's a hole in the alternate universe, and old man Logan or whoever falls through, and then that's how you get your Hulk versus Wolverine featuring uh, Hugh Jackman. And at the end, he gets sucked back into his portal, goes back to his own movie universe, and it's like it never happened. But we get to see the thing that people want to see. I would only be okay okay with that if the hulk also comes from another universe <laughs> and bruce banner is also played by hugh jackman <laughs> then we get hugh jackman's wolverine fighting cgi hulk hugh jackman and i and then i'd be okay with it because at this point it's just completely stupid <laughs> you, you say my idea is completely stupid no i'm saying hugh jackman fighting the hulk is completely stupid i think that'd be awesome let it go <laughs> it's gonna there's gonna be a new wolverine he's gonna be awesome i can't wait that's what I'm saying. Like you do this movie as just your one and done and then you recast and you just you, the whole thing gets rebooted. But you can still have that. I'm just that, saying I don't I don't need to see Hugh Jackman fight. Well, you don't the go Hulk. you don't go see that movie. But I of will. Of course I have to go see it. <laughs> All right. Um still a lot of pages of this annual to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm editing this in at the end anyway, so it'll all work out. 